comics fans of all ages, welcome to the Comics Playground, the All Ages Comic Book Podcast. With your hosts, Ryan King and Eric Martin. Where do you want to start? you want to just kind of talk about some general stuff first? Sure. Get into that? that sounds good, yeah. I got I got one news item I found, then I, re- I read two comics. Uh, yeah. What's your news item, just so I don't make sure I don't have it? Uh, it's about Billy Batson and the Magic of Shazam, number six. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think I know where you're going with that. Yeah. That was one of my things, but I'll let you talk about it. That's cool. Yeah. Are you, are you guys ready to go and get started? Go. Okay. Yeah, there was an interview with Art Baltazar and Franco that do uh, Tidy Titans a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and they were talking about they're going to take over the writing on Billy Batson and the Magic of Shazam. Ugh. Billy Batson and the Magic of Shazam. Uh, so the, that first issue with them writing is being solicited for July uh, with art by someone named Stephen D. Stefano, who I've never heard of. Oh, I know him. Oh, you do. He did a book way back, God, in the eighties, maybe nineties. <clears throat> it was called Amazing Man. Oh yeah, from DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he does. Um, I think he's in animation and stuff now. So cool. Oh, that's cool. Uh, there's a cover image on here, and it looks pretty. It's not much like the the Mike Kunkel style that we saw before, but it's still pretty cool looking. Yeah. And uh, we know that. Well, did you read the interview with uh, those two with Franco and Art that was in on Newsrama a few weeks back? It's, yeah, that's how I mentioned. Apparently, they they want to keep that book monthly now, so they're going to write. It on the months right. that Mike Kunkel can't do it because he's so far behind, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so Mike isn't leaving, but yeah, they're going to use them as, I guess, fill in talent. Yeah, which I, I'm completely okay with because I love those guys on Tiny Titans, so I think it should be fun. Yeah, yeah. Just happy to have that book be monthly. Yeah. So, that'd be cool. I did see that. Um, speaking of things coming up from DC, one thing I'll be asking you is I know. And the most recent solicit I saw how the Wednesday comics are coming out. Yeah. Because of the fact it's supposed to be like the old newspaper strips, how all ages do you foresee that being, if at all? I haven't heard, but there's been rumors that there that that's going to be something that might appeal to, to younger readers. Mm-hmm. So, but there's nothing really solid that I've seen. Okay. Yeah, yeah just because the way they solicited it even says something like in the heart of the old newspaper strips and I'm like well those are all ages yeah for the most part. I've seen samples of uh, the Commandy and the Metamorpho and they seem pretty pretty clean cut so it might be oh, something oh, yeah. something worth looking at I'm definitely going to be getting it anyway so yeah. you'll hear about yeah, it from Commandy's me drawn by Rock Hook. yeah it looks really good did you see it I have uh, not yeah, seen it is it uh, what, is it a regular comic or is it a, or is it just strips? It's it's going to be comic strips. the 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 comic is going to be weekly for twelve weeks. Uh, it's going to be uh, fourteen by twenty pages. Hmm. And uh, there's but then they're folded down to like a comic book size, aren't they? Yeah, I guess you can still fit it in your bag and board. So that's a good thing. Um, yeah. But we got stuff like Commandy by uh, by you said Ryan Sook and uh, and Dave Gibbons. Uh, there's a Metamorpho by Neil Gaiman and uh, Mike Allred. Yeah. yeah, a bunch of good stuff. If you look at the most recent solicits, it gives you a rundown pretty much of everyone who's going to be on the first four issues, I think. It was a pretty impressive list of talent. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, the other news item I 
that you probably also saw that I just had to mention is the fact that someone finally got the rights to distribute the G.I. Joe and Transformers cartoons once again on DVD. Oh, that's cool. Did you see that? No, I didn't. There's a company called The Shout Factory, Uh and they got the uh, rights to it, and uh, the first season of The Transformers, which is going to be the 25th anniversary edition, it's slated to come out June 16th. And uh, it's going to be a three DVD set for twenty nine ninety nine, and it says it's going to include the original broadcast versions of all sixteen episodes in the intended storyline order. And it's got a remastered picture and new stereo soundtrack. Apparently, the uh, ones that were released a few years back by Rhino um, featured incomplete prints of the episodes and modified sound effects. So this will be like true to what we saw when we were growing up. And. Uh, it's have some pretty cool features, too, like a documentary, and it's going to have some of the toy commercials and the, you know, some rare PSAs and some concept art and all that. Um, and they're hoping to actually get through the whole series, because apparently when they were released before, they never completed the full G.I. Joe and Transformers series. Yeah, I think they just used to put out just, like, VCR tapes with, like, three episodes at a time, right? Something like that. They never put out, like, a whole season. Well, they did put out some seasons, but apparently they were, like in the right order in some cases. Okay. In some cases, they had to be edited for this reason or that. But they never, I guess, got through all the seasons was the big problem. Mm. And also, I think the, uh, if I recall correctly, it's going to be like twenty nine ninety nine for the first season. I think uh, back then it was like 39 or $49 just for the first season's worth of DVDs. And, you know, back when those sets first started coming out, they were rather expensive. Mm. Not so much these days. So that's good news, though. I was glad to see that those are going to be released, and I'll be... Probably checking out those. I'm sure you will. Come back at. Yes, I will. <laughs> and then uh, <clears throat> I just took a look at the uh, Marvel solicits today, and looks uh, Chris like it's going to be a little busy month for you. Yeah, baby. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought there's going to be well, besides Lockjaw and Pet Avengers, I guess it's issue three that's coming out that month. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where they go underwater. Yeah. And Giganto. It's going to be a Franklin Richards too. Mm-hmm. It's called um, School's Out. Yeah. Just time for summertime. Anything that we should expect or that you want to let people's talent with? Um, I haven't even started writing it yet, so. Oh, cool. <laughs> All right. So if you have any suggestions, email Chris. Or yeah, come on. Bring, bring him on. Usually it's a, <laughs> a, a it's a trip to the to the Starbucks to get a cup of coffee, and then, then the ideas start coming. So, uh, you need the proper inspiration. Yeah. Sure, and 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 heavy deadlines. You know, that that'll inspire anybody. Um, but uh, it's going to be the usual kind of fun craziness. Um, we got a little puppy in there, so we got that. And, um, Christoph, the bad guy. So we'll do some more of that kind of fun stuff. Keep it fun, light, kid friendly. Now, last episode, uh, Eric and I were talking about the uh, trade you have coming out from IDW, mm-hmm. and neither of us, unfortunately, are familiar with the original content. What was that all? What is that uh, all about? Uh, Desperate Times was a book I did um, about ten years ago, I guess. Um, it started the back of Savage Dragon uh, as uh, two backup pages per issue, and then we rolled it into. Um, Series through Image, and then um, and then I took it and self-published for a while, and then a few years ago I started publishing again through Image, 
And then Franklin kicked in, and it just was too much to do at one time, so I stopped the book. Um, it's it just it's more for an older crowd. Um, it's uh, okay. more the twenty-something crowd. Um, sure. There's no real bad language or anything like that, but just discussions and situations that are a little bit more mature than a child should be uh, checking out. So, but. Uh, that was that was that one. So, when is that slated for release? Uh, October. Oh, okay. So you got a lot for that. Okay. Yeah, we got a little time yet. So, yeah. But in the meantime, we'll finish up uh, Lockjaw and uh, some more Franklin, and so it'll be good. And then, of course, I'll have. I'm trying to put together a collection of my strips from the website, and hopefully, we'll have that out soon too. So, yeah, I'm definitely interested in that. Uh, I love those strips, and I want to definitely catch when they're all collected. I think I asked you a long time ago, like, when are they together? You're like, oh, after I get about a hundred more drawn. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm up to about yeah, I'm up to about three fifty right now. So um, at three sixty, I've got enough for a full 128 page book with three strips a page, um, and that way I'll uh, put that all out together and make sure that it's not like some cheapy little item that people pick up that you know, has five strips in it and they go, why did I bother picking this up? It'll have yeah. everything up to this date and maybe a little extra bonus stuff in there. So Cool. cool. That, and that's all kid-friendly, so yeah. it's like a regular daily strip that you pick up the newspaper, so... Yeah. Maybe I can get the book and finally catch other. up. Yeah. You can go right through the archive. Everything is there for free. Yeah, I just don't get a whole lot of time actually at my computer, so that's why I get behind on stuff that's online. Uh, I know, that's, hard, that's the hard part of all of uh, of the online web comics is, is making sure people keep coming back to it every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most people are like, ugh, do I have to go back? I mean, I, I, can't through, I can't click through to 50 different sites before I start work in the morning. So, yeah. I usually like give it like two or three weeks, and then I go back to where I left off and then catch up again. And I like, get them in chunks. Uh, that's just the way I keep yeah. up with it. it just, Which is good, you know, too. I feel like I've read it. Yeah. So, that's cool. Yep. Um, a couple other things I guess that's all coming up from Marvel that would be of interest as far as all ages goes is uh looks like they're going to be releasing uh, Iron Man Armored Adventures, which is based on the new cartoon that Nick Toons has. Actually, it starts as we record this Friday, mm-hmm. April 24th. So, uh, it will have already aired by the time this hits out there in the podcast land, but they're going to be releasing a comic that's adaptation of that, and also uh, they're releasing Uncanny X-Men first class. Yeah, I was just that looking at that. It's to be issue one of eight, so apparently that'll be a limited series at first, at least. So, yeah, both of those coming out. And then, uh, also so as far as the trades go, they're releasing the uh, trade for the Doctor Doom and the Masters of Evil, which I reviewed the first issue a while back, mm-hmm. and looking forward to that. And Speaking of newspaper strips, they're going to be releasing a hardcover of the Spider-Man newspaper strips from 1977 to 1980, which I would suspect would be pretty ages as well. Cool. That's a dust cool. That old uh, Stan Lee and John Romita stuff. Yeah. Good-looking and, stuff. Uh, yeah. And also, I was pretty psyched, even though I have the regular issues, uh, the uh, Spider-Man the Human Torch limited series that Dan Flott wrote and Ty Templeton drew is being released as a trade paperback again. I think that's pretty... All ages, because it's kind of in the spirit of some of the old, you know, '80s comics that we used to read. That was 
fun little romp through history between the two characters, so that was cool too. Very nice. Cool. Go Marvel! Woo! Yeah. But I'm not biased. Please. <laughs> that, that's okay. I'm biased enough towards DC to make it even. Oh, you're breaking up. I'm sorry. Did you say something? <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, I wanted to mention real quick the, uh, the Batman Brave and the Bold comic. They've got the Doom Patrol in issue seven, which I'm excited about because I love the Doom Patrol. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. I just got how many of the characters do they have? It looks like all the the original lineup plus Beast Boy. That's nice. yeah. cool. Yeah, I took my daughter to a comic shop yesterday, which doesn't happen all that often, but I did, and she picked up the DC Super Friends number fourteen because it features all like the super pets, oh. and she's all about the animals. Uh huh. So. Mm. I haven't read it to her yet, but she was all psyched about it. Cool. That was cool. Um, the other thing I was going to make mention of, because it would be pertinent for us, is they, of course, released the nominees for the Eisners. And uh, for Best Publication for Kids this year, the nominees were Amulet, Book One, The Stonekeeper by Kazu Kabuishi, and then uh, Kawa by Akira Toriyama, uh, Princess at Midnight by Andy Watson, Pinky by Eleanor Davis and Tiny Titans by Art Baltazar and Franco. Mm-hmm. So those were the uh, nominees. I actually read one of those, and I'm going to share it later on. That was not Tiny Titans because I showed that enough before. Was it Amulet? Amulet? Was it Amulet? It was Amulet. Yeah. All right. I did read it. I noticed that in yeah, the in, so the, in the, uh, the the book fair things at my daughter's school. They were they were selling that. What is the? That's where I got mine. Yeah. Yeah. Last May, when I was going through one of those classic warehouse sales, I was just looking around and I saw this, and I was like, yeah, this looks good enough, and it's half price, so it's only five bucks. So I'm like, I'll pick it up. This has been on my shelf forever. Mm-hmm. You know, I read through the Eisner nominations. I was like, I have that sitting on my shelf. Mm-hmm. I better read it. So I did. Yeah, Scholastic was the that word was I could think of. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> they should and may have their warehouse sales going on again if anyone was near one of those book fair warehouses. It's a good time to pick up some cheap trades and not only amulet but they do carry some marvel adventure stuff and uh you get you know bone stuff and all that too mm-hmm. chris do you have a favorite for the best lettering category did you get a chance to look at the nominees was i in there oh no uh, not no, again no you weren't but i figured i'd use your expertise i have uh, what are the, what are the uh, list the names i didn't even see which was on it they have uh let's see feral dalrymple for omega the unknown of course, that's a marvel yeah. that. Uh, Jimmy Gownley for A Million Rules. Scott Morse for Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. Uh, Nate Powell for Swallow Me Whole. And Chris Ware for Acme Novelty Library. The only one I probably have seen was Chris Ware's stuff, so... Okay. I haven't seen much. I don't leave the house. Uh, you know, I'm trapped here. <laughs> You're too busy lettering all your own stuff. Right? Or half yeah, of what too... Marvel has coming out, right? Yeah, too busy. Too busy. <laughs> How many books do you letter nowadays? Um, 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 me personally, I'm only down to about five or six a month. Um, but then I've got three other guys working for me, and we do over about fifty to sixty books a month. Wow! So yeah, so it's and then on top of that, you know, you got you got writing Lockjaw, writing and drawing Franklin, and I just did. Um, I just wrote. Uh, there was a, an assistant editors month special. I don't know if any of you caught, <clears throat> where they kind of introduced some new stories, and I wrote the framing sequence with all the um, the assistant editors, 
Mm-hmm. So I had to write and draw them, or not draw them, I wrote them. So I will not be getting any work again from them since I made fun of them. Dig your own grave. Yeah, but, uh, and then I'm doing the web strip, so yeah, I, I don't leave the house much. You know, and then usually, like, you know, it's homework at night with the kids, feed them, throw them in the shower, get them into bed, and then it's back to work again, so. Well, they have a sleepover that wipes you out, or oh, They just did a couple weeks ago. God help me. Yeah. Man, I think I'm still recovering from that one. You have two boys, is that right? Yeah, I got twin boys. Twin boys. How old are they? Uh, they're going to be 10 in July. So, yeah, so they're getting up there now. Energy, yeah. yeah. They're getting double digits now, so. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's funny because I started Franklin. And I think they were, whoop, they were around six. So. It's scary. Yeah. They get old. Do they read? Do they read Dad's comics? Yeah, they um they love Franklin. They've brought it to school and they've shared it with the classes and and now all the teachers keep asking for copies because so, all the kids and. It started in second grade and worked its way up to they're in fourth now. And uh, Ryan, you what? eating chips or something? No, I'm just uh, trying to keep you back f- my dilapidated cell phone off. <laughs> You're not supposed to eat on a podcast. Quit lying. I really am not. I don't have anything. Oh man, if I knew we were allowed to that eat, I would have grabbed myself something. Got <laughs> <laughs> uh so needless to say, all the teachers are, are begging from second grade on up for copies of the book. Right. So, cool. Yeah, so it's good. It gets the kids reading. It's it's their it's their treat. If they're well behaved, they're allowed to read the book. So uh, when when reading is a treat, then we're doing something right. Exactly. Do you frequently get hit up to draw anything for the class or anything? Yeah, um, usually the past couple of years, they've you know the teachers at one point or another during the school year have asked me to come in and and talk to the kids about art and drawing. And now actually yeah. this year they they asked me to come in a couple of weeks ago um, and I talked to them about creative writing. So it was do- different this year. So, but uh, cool. yeah, it was fun. You know the kids love that kind of stuff, especially when it's not a teacher yeah. telling them they have to do it. They <laughs> they love you know. A stranger kind of coming up and going, okay, it can be fun to write. And look, I get paid yeah. to do it. So, so they, they, they get a kick out of it. So it's, 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 it's always good. And maybe we'll get the future comic book writers and artists out there. There you go. So. Yeah, my dad was pretty talented as far as cartooning goes. There was a few times I remember he came into our class and spoke just about cartooning and drawing and stuff like that. And, he would do fun things like have the kids all do a big scribble on their paper, and then he'd go around and turn it into something. Like right, that. right. So uh, it was, uh, I can remember him coming a few times and had a pretty good uh, response from all the kids who were in my class. Oh, yeah. That was good. They like that stuff. I mean, you know. And hopefully we kind of drag them kicking and screaming into comic books. Yeah. I was going to ask you, does having your comic in their hands, do, do, are the teachers, uh, does that bridge any other comics as far as you know, or do they use any other comics at all with kids? I'm not aware. I mean, I know a few of the parents have said to me they've been looking for stuff online or in bookstores. Um, the teachers seem to have done the same thing, but I don't know how far it's expanded outward into other books that they're looking for. Some of them have asked me, you know, recommendations and stuff. Um 
So, you know, I've done the usual thing, you know, the Tiny Titans and all the other stuff that's out there. Um, so, it's just, you know, it's it's hard still because, you know, it's so hard to find these days. Um, you know, nobody can find Franklin in, in a bookstore. They, uh, they either have to go to Amazon or go to a comic book store. And even a comic book store may not have it. So, uh, you know, it's kind of it's kind of defeating if if they can't even find it easily. So, um you know, and a lot of these books are like that. You know, where do you go? Do you go to the kids' department? Do you go to the graphic novels department? How do you know which right. books as a parent are good and bad? So, um, you know, we're sort of stuck in the middle of that, you know, between comic books and, and children's books. And I, they, I don't think they know where to put us. Is yeah. there any chance of getting, like, a Franklin Digest into those scholastic fairs or anything? I've tried. You know, it's funny. I've talked to the folks at Marvel. I've I've even talked to, to someone from Scholastic. And it's just one of those things. I, I, for some reason, I think maybe because they don't know who Franklin is, mm-hmm. um, it kind of it just gets off the radar, and they they don't do it. I know. I think Tiny Titans is going in there, right? I mean, I think I heard something about that. Yeah. Um, so they're getting in there, but you know, it's also because there's a, a show on TV, or there will be, or there is, or there was, or something. Plus, and, the, the Eisner thing kind of helps too. Well, you know, I was nominated for an Eisner a couple of years ago for Franklin, and that didn't seem to. Mm open up any other doors but um uh so um you know it it's you know i think probably what i have to do is almost do like you know I, you would think g russo's books you know the you know the the um the uh, mini marbles would would sort of go there too but they don't seem to be you know scholastic doesn't seem to be reaching out they'll meanwhile they'll put out you know a wolverine title through there mm-hmm. or something yeah. but they don't the the natural Books that they should be grabbing, they don't grab, and I don't know why. Yeah, the last time I was at the book fair, I was seeing like the they were like little like storybooks of like the DC Super Friends. They weren't actual comics. Right. They're like those little like eight by eight books or whatever they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, like sort of you know the old floppies, those, those square bound books that you know. Yeah, like there's old picture books, like there's old Richard Scary books or something like that. Yeah. 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 Which is depressing. I mean, you know, it's you know, I, I almost feel like. I'm at a point where it's like either I mean obviously everybody likes Franklin or a lot of people like Franklin and it was it was nominated for an Eisner and and a couple of Harvey awards and stuff like that so it's not bad I'm just wondering if the concept is throwing people off that you know they feel for a Marvel book it has to be a character that they can readily identify mm-hmm. you know like a Spider-Man or an Iron Man or a Hulk or you know one of those kind of characters for it to be picked up but you know, ironically, from what I remember in the beginning, um, when we first started, a lot of booksellers and Scholastic were all turning the book down because they said, "Oh, Marvel books are too violent. You know, they're not for kids." And we were kind of trying to say to them, "Look here, it it, it is. It's it's kids' book. It's you know, kid friendly." But there's a bias out there to sort of steer clear. You know, they they just assume without even looking. What they what they might be getting? Yeah. It makes you wonder by like, the knowledge of the buyer who Classic has. I don't know, but because when I went to the warehouse, not only did they have some Marvel Adventures digest, but they also had you know, Spider Girl digest. And I don't think she's very identifiable, other than she's a female Spider Man version. But yeah. also, um, <clears throat> even a while back, doing talking about the violence, they had a couple digests. One was that I picked up was like the old Swamp Thing stuff with his origin and everything. Right. From DC, and the other one was they had, Sarge, they had a Sergeant Rock Digest, too. So 
talk. Because nothing, uh, nothing's better for kids than war talk, you know? Hey. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't seem like there's any rhyme or reason. I don't know. Maybe if you know, DC or Marvel has surplus and they say, hey, let's get rid of some of this plastic, classic, or it's classic just... I think also they have, yeah. I think more, um, DC's got a lot more corporate backing as well, being you know a division of you know Warner Brothers. They have a lot of you know big push to you know take this stuff and put it out there. I mean, I know. I think I just heard. Um, actually, I I don't know if I heard it from Art himself or we, I heard uh, I read it on a thing that um, besides the Eisner, the, um, Tiny Titans is actually on um, the New York Times um, bestsellers list. Wow. The first trade, which is amazing, you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that's good news. I mean, you know, at least it's getting out there. Yeah. So it just, you know, on my end, I just wonder why we're having trouble connecting to uh, these other places. But it's happening in certain certain ways, you know, like Tiny Titans. I don't know if maybe the Shazam stuff or the the what is it, the Super Friends one? Is that the other one that DC's doing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then, the, and then the, the Batman. Yeah. So, you know, they've got the backing of a TV show to kind of keep them in the limelight. Um, we don't really have that, so maybe I need to ditch Franklin and do, like, you know, a Iron Man kids book or something like that. Yeah, there you go. Hopefully they got that new Iron Man coming out, at least for one issue. I don't know if they're going to do any more with that or not. Once the yeah. Yeah. Very cool. That's so. thing. It's like even with the Iron Man cartoon, it's just like the Wolverine cartoon they have now. I don't understand why it's on Nicktoons rather than on Nickelodeon when fewer people have Nicktoons to watch and subscribe to. It seems like an odd choice for both Nickelodeon and Marvel to put it there. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they don't have room on the regular Nickelodeon channel right now? I suppose not. They're too busy showing you know, Johnny Depp on SpongeBob SquarePants. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, what about and then? The, yeah, I, go ahead. I just read that Entertainment Weekly. I guess on the like April seventeenth, Johnny Depp was actually one of the voice actors on SpongeBob. Yeah, I've seen the commercial for it. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Very cool. Captain Jack. It's a little scary. I'll say. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we um. I was. I, it was funny too. I, have you seen the the other one? Um, what is it, Johnny Test? I've seen. I've seen parts of it. My daughter doesn't like it, so we don't watch it. Yeah, I've never seen it. I don't think my daughter's old enough for it yet, or just doesn't turn on Nickelodeon enough. Yeah, I looked at it. I realized that once that came on, there was no chance ever of uh, having a Franklin animated series since it's pretty much the same thing. Oh really? Oh yeah. It's it's a little boy who's got instead of a, a robot, he's got a talking dog, um, and his sisters are like. They create all this crazy, you know, stuff, and uh, he always takes it and uses it and gets in trouble, and uh, and you know, and then he tries to be a superhero every once in a while, or something crazy happens, and I was like, wow, this is awfully similar, but uh, so so it's close. So there goes the idea of Franklin. Got to go find a new idea. So. His mom and dad don't have superpowers, do they? No, it, it's it's sort of like a little bit slightly different in that the father's a little ditzy. He doesn't know what's going on. Um, the daughters are super geniuses who create uh, – they're like twin girls who create um, all these kind of crazy outlandish devices, and Johnny always steals them and causes havoc. So, well, you know. I'll take a look at it. I, haven't, I wasn't even on my radar. 
Yeah. I think it is a Cartoon Network it's on. Uh, I, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, because it usually comes on like after Chowder, and we like Chowder. so We do, we do too. Yeah. This house is a Chowder house. Um, I'm trying to think what else. What else are we into around here? Um, you guys watch Flapjack? They like that too. Yeah. That's, when that's on, they turn it on. Um, it's interesting to see, though, that you know, they're turning 10, and now they're starting to migrate a little bit and, and um, go for some of the live-action shows as well as the cartoons, which is interesting. You know, we went, it's fun to watch go from Teletubbies to you know, uh, and Sesame Street to uh, you know, the, the, the cartoons that you see on Nickelodeon. And, um, and then they started, you know, and then now they're moving up and actually, like, you know, sometimes they'll catch, you know, Wizards of Waver- Waverly Place or Hannah Montana or... Um, any of the other live action ones, mm-hmm. but then they'll still love to go back and watch SpongeBob. So I didn't even realize until recently. And just recently, I just found out how popular Hannah Montana is with like the like eight to twelve year old male set. Really, they apparently, seeing the movie is just as big for them as it was for the girls. So I didn't realize that she had such a male following at that age. Hmm. I did not know that. Yeah, I've been hearing quite a few people talking about it, and I. Okay. I don't think I would have gravitated to something like that at that age, but I can't say. I don't think I would have either. Yeah, that seems strange. I would, I would have thought it was like, you know, 11-year-old girls and their moms going to see the movie. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's definitely that, but I, I just didn't, I just, you know, I've been here recently how many you know, boys are seeing it as well, which I never would have suspected, really. Hmm. I mean, my kids seem to like it for the... Yeah, my kids like seem to like it for the humor and, you know, some of the other stuff, so... You know, maybe it's there for everybody. You know, I heard something about all those shows that a lot of the writers on those are like old sitcom writers from like the seventies and eighties that can't get jobs in new shows now, so they're all working for like Nickelodeon and Disney. So that makes well, sense a lot. Some of the humor they're using, it almost seems like they're rerunning stuff from old Three Company episodes and stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's all that jokes on Golden Girls. Yeah, exactly. Recycle all those jokes for the new generation. There you go. Boom, done. And then every once in a while you'll see somebody from one of those old shows like show up on like Hannah Montana or something like you know you see like Vicky Lawrence or somebody on Hannah Montana. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't um, Dolly Parton on there as well? I think so. Yeah. That's I, funny. I, I saw one the other day that actually had had um, now I've done forgotten his name. The director of the Princess Bride. Um, Ryan, help me out. Oh, Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner. Yeah, he was on an episode of that. Oh. See, so they get everybody on these these shows. Well, as long as the kids like it, right? I guess we may not we may not get it, but okay. So let's see what else. What else are the kids into these days? Mostly the uh, Pokemon seems to be the thing. They still enjoy watching Pokemon, um, which I still don't get. I don't understand at all. But you know they've got their DS, so they'll play endlessly uh, the newest Pokemon game, and they seem to. Really love the TV show too, so they're always watching that. It's just now I know how my parents felt when they were, you know, when I was sitting there watching these shows as a kid, and they were like, "I don't get it. How could these kids sit and watch this all day long?" <laughs> I'm now that that person. I've turned into my father. It's all over. It's downhill from here. Are your boys into the uh, into Star Wars at all? As far as either the toys or like the Clone Wars cartoon or any of that? Yeah, you know, I, I tried to raise them right, but they they prefer the Clone Troopers over Han Solo. It's really depressing. 
Um, they love, love clone troopers. I mean, they, they play all the video games. They, um, they watch the TV show. They've even, they, now they love even the, um, the Lego clone troopers. Like they have like little, you know, the Lego, Lego versions of them. Mm. So they play with those all the time. So they're in, they're in, you know, seventh heaven when it comes to clone wars and stuff. But, you know, I still try to throw them, you know, episodes four, five, and six at them, and they're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> doesn't have a clone trooper, it doesn't have them. So, yeah. They like that stuff, so. But, um, but yeah, that's where, you know, they're all over the place with that stuff. They'll watch any of that old stuff. So, that's what's going on here. The Iliopolis family update. I know now everybody's everybody's up to date on my my family's knowabouts and what they're up to. So, <laughs> cool. so so anybody who's listening, if they feel like um, sending any any Pokemon uh, our way, feel free to uh, to send because you know, my kids are always looking for new whatever those high level Pokemon are. See, you know, you guys don't even know what it is either. Is it like the card game that they do? No, it's it's on the DS. It's a video game. Oh, it's and, a video game. Okay. You know, you, I guess you can go through this game and win or get or battle for different Pokemon, and um, there's right. special Pokemon, and there, you know, of course, there's like eight billion. So they have to hunt them all down, and you know, some of them are specialty ones that you can't get on the game. Like you have to either buy like a cheat code thing or uh, get through a, an online event or you have to go to a store to, to download through Wi-Fi. It's all, I mean, they've got them coming and going. Wow. You know, like we have to go this Saturday, we have to go to a Toys R Us because there's some kind of in-store event where if you go in, um, you hook into their Wi-Fi, you can download uh, one of the Pokemon onto your your game. Wow. And then they kind of put a little word there like, and if you want to buy anything else Pokemon related, hmm. dot, dot, no. dot, you know, so come and buy. So, so my kids. That just sounds very complicated. Oh, it is. I don't understand it at all. Yeah, see, I was aware that Pokemon was around. I didn't realize it was such a big thing still, though, because it's been around for a long time. Yeah. yeah. It's huge. The inventing word can be found, I guess. Yeah, every new generation you get a new set of kids. Mm-hmm. Boom, you know. Yeah. Too bad it doesn't work with comics. Yeah. I know. We're trying. I'm younger, trying. We just go to the pony cake and we pick up garbage pail kids, and that was the only thing we had. <laughs> <laughs> and you walked a mile of school in the snow, and uh, yeah, yeah. Every morning you walked a mile to, to to school in the snow, in your bare feet. These kids today have it so easy. So what are the things are you guys checking into? What are you uh, enjoying these days? Well, Ryan, have you read anything good recently? Yeah. I read two good things recently. Well, like I said, the one I read was Amulet, the book one, which is the Stonekeeper, mm-hmm. which was one of the uh, Oscar nominees. Um, I got this back in May at the warehouse sale, and then the only thing I heard about it between then and you know the nomination is that I did hear Jeff Smith mention it, saying that it was, he really enjoyed it. 
Um, and then I figured at the time it was just because it's through the same imprint that the bone is republished under, you know, under Scholastic's graphics imprint. But uh, I read it, and uh, I, I was very quickly hooked. It's very, very good. Um, my only qualm with the artwork um, was, like, with the character designs of the uh, brother and sister. It was just a little simple, but it works. Um, the guy has some great storytelling ability as far as being able to like kind of lead you through the action and uh, as I read it I was like this is going to be or needs to be adapted into a movie of some sort because I could just as I was reading it it was just very cinematic in the way it felt it already um, is it already is optioned have they Will done Smith, that already? Uh, Will Smith has optioned it for his kids of all people wow yeah Okay. I can definitely see it because it definitely lends itself to that. It does, you know, you could tell that there's a big story behind it. And I guess um, I looked on the author's website, and book two is supposed to be um, hitting fairly soon. Um, but uh, I mean, basically, just to give people, uh, you know, an idea of what it's about, there's basically a family tragedy uh, where they lose the father, and then mom and the two kids kind of have to set up shop at a new home, and they go way out to the country, this old place. And, of course, you know, as they go looking around, the daughter discovers a room with, full of mystery and you know, some things that she probably should not have gotten, got into. Um, I guess this house belongs to one of her ancestors, too. That's another key point. And then it turns out that the family kind of gets dragged into this magical world, and she gets possession of this magical amulet that kind of gives her some powers, um, but also kind of seems to have a little bit of a dark side to it, too. Um, where she has to kind of keep control of her actions at times. Um, and then she meets, you know, this world of robots and other creatures, and it is just a lot of fun. It's one of the most fun all-ages things I've read in quite a while. Um, Eric, I think you and your daughter would definitely dig it quite a bit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does have kind of like the, kind of an epic, you know, kind of like a bone-type feel to it, except I think this delivers on the action even from the get-go a lot more than Bone does. I very much enjoyed it. So is this like an actual manga or... No. I... No, I wouldn't say it's a manga. Okay. No, I mean, they don't look very manga either. It's just drawn very simple. Well, I wouldn't... I'd say the characters, like I said, are drawn pretty simply, but the backgrounds and the landscapes and a lot of the episodes are actually quite detailed and uh, it's very well colored too, which lends itself yeah. to... And a lot of the you know atmosphere. Yeah, the coloring is great. It really steps up the the, the artwork. I'm sure if you took away the the coloring, it'd be pretty simplistic line work. But he really does an amazing job with the colors. So you read this too, Chris? Yes, yes. I've had it for since pretty much it came out. When it came out, this is the kind of stuff I love. This is this is what I'll go out of my way to pick up. Um, he also does. Um, he kind of edits and puts together a, a series of books called Flight, and he actually put out um, – there was an, an edition that was for kids. It was Flight for Kids, um, okay. and, which is worth looking at. He, he's, he, he's done a story in each, and they're very similar in style to Amulet, and, um, but uh, there's also a whole bunch of other work um, – it's pretty interesting to look at a lot. It seems some people come out of animation, some people come other places. But um, Amulet was a, a real fun ride in the beginning. He's, I'm sort of I've sort of been 
staying away from it for a while so I could reread it when the new one comes out because, you know, at the end it kind of leaves you like going, okay, what's going to happen next? Yeah, so, exactly. So I'm looking forward yeah. to that one. Yeah. And if you want to, like, a sort of. A, I haven't given it to them to read yet. I kind of put it on their nightstand for them to give a look at, but, um, they've had a few other books that I've given them to look at first, so they haven't gotten around to it, but, um, um, we, they have to get through that, you know, eight thousand page bone volume. Yeah, that's, that's sitting there. But um, if you want to see uh, online to take a kind of a sampling of what his artwork looks like, he does a a web comic called Copper. Yeah, about sure exactly. a dog. Yeah, it's a, a kid and a dog kind of just doing weird things. It's just sort of very random, but um, the style of art is is very similar to what you're going to get in. Amulet, and it's uh, it, it's very ran- it comes out once in a blue moon, and you know it's like as soon as it comes out, it, word gets around quick. Up, oh, it's up, let's go. Um, I forget what the URL is, but I don't think it's copper. It's but you can probably look it up online. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, typed in the uh, the author's name and found his website. I, I didn't write it down though, but yeah, it's Kazu Kibuishi K I B U I S H I. Looks like the website for copper is boltcity.com slash copper, but that's for some reason the website is down I think, right I now. I think if you, if you go to just boltcity.com, I believe it, that's where you can get to all the stuff. But it's good stuff. It's, it's a, he's a good read, you know, he's a good storyteller. Yeah. He's, it's very unique too, in Amulet, in that, um, you know, there's, it doesn't seem very kind of traditional in terms of, you know, you expect certain things and then, you know, I mean, there's like, you know, a talking bunny um, doll yeah. and a robot, you know, yeah. and it's just, it's so random that you kind of go, wow, I haven't seen this before. Um, yeah. and, and you don't really know what's happening or why it's happening or, you know, and then the mother gets involved in the story and she gets pulled into this alternate world and she gets yeah. taken away and it's really up to the kids to go and save her. So it's kind of just – it's not like anything I've really read before. So I i give it the big thumbs up. I enjoyed it a lot. You also have some creepy kind of mysterious you know, antagonists that are following them around and you actually mm-hmm. run into one of them too. Mm-hmm. Kind of develops a little bit of story that way too. Yeah. So, yeah. Very interesting. That one is a, is a keeper. I, yeah, th- those are I kind of books – yeah, I'm, I'm, I, those are the kinds of books I'm looking for nowadays. Um, I'm sort of done with the the monthly books. Don't tell anybody. And um, you know, I really like to get a big meat meaty book in my hands and and sit down for a while and read it. Um, yeah, I can only imagine it. That he releases it like this. Like these aren't like re- reprinted from anything. He just releases them all one book at a time. That's a pretty neat way to do it. Yeah, it's sort of like Scott Pilgrim. You just you got you got to wait a year before you see the next chapter. Yep. You know, so, which is frustrating, but you know, understandable. And now with the uh, the Eisner's being announced, and I've read this one now, and I've read the Tiny Titans, and I'm kind of feeling like now I have to read the others just so I can have a educated opinion about which one I think should win. Yeah, what that's what's well. Like that's what's great about it. Like Eisner's and Harvey's is that it kind of gives you a, it opens you up to look for new stuff that you may not have looked at before. Right. So, so it's always good. I know a lot of people who, when the Best Picture nominees come out, they say, I have to go out and see all the Best Picture nominees. And I kind of feel like the same way about reading all these, just to see, have an opinion about which one I think should win. Yeah. be interesting. Can't wait to see them. Yeah. And then um, 
I guess while we're on the topic of Bone, the other one I finally read was Stupid, Stupid Rat Tales, <laughs> which actually um, contains two different stories. They're both written by Tom Snigoski. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is drawn by Jeff Smith, which is The Adventures of Big Johnson Bone, Frontier <laughs> Hero. I knew you were going to laugh when I said that. I have to laugh every time. <laughs> I know. I just, when I was reading this, I was like, Eric could not get through this book with a straight face. It just would not happen. <laughs> and then the second story is called Riblet, and it's drawn by Stan Sakai of Yusagi Yojimbo fame. Um, the first story, I, I was loving. It was very funny. So, you know, the, the writer, you know, definitely kind of captured some of the mythos of Bone, but then kind of created his own thing. Because obviously this took place well before Bone did, since, you know, Big Johnson Bone was the founder of Boneville and all that. But, uh, he's kind of made this Bone character, except, uh, he wears kind of, you know, the coonskin cap and the whole Frontier Hero outfit and, uh, moccasins and all that. Uh, but he's got a large jaw with stubble on it. <laughs> it's the only difference from some of the other bones we've seen. And uh, he's just this larger-than-life, straight-out-of-every-tall-tale-you've-ever-heard type hero. And he's got you know, hundreds and thousands of stories of, of his travels that he's not afraid to share. Uh, he's not scared of much. He kind of reminds me of... Uh, how Aquaman is done in the Brave and the Bold cartoon, Eric. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, how he's always got stories telling. He's kind of like he's very, very, very uh, confident in his abilities. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and, and like I said, he's just not scared of anything. And it makes him a hilarious character. Um, very funny. And then, you know, this does, you know, play into uh, a little bit into um, – just like a tall tale usually did. Now, tall tales usually explain how something happened, kind of like the Greek myths used to explain something. Um, this kind of explains something that, you know, goes into the actual bone story, too, which is kind of fun. Um, so, it was very good. And then the second story about Riblet, basically just some of these animals that lived in the forest, and there's this um, small boar, <laughs> um, and it's basically about him... Uh, kind of being an outsider and all the other four animals kind of don't like having him around because he's a little rough around the edges and um, kind of doesn't know when his welcome has been overstayed. And and it's just about him encountering a couple rat, rat creatures and how they want to eat them, but he gives them a very hard time of it. And, uh, and both stories are very, very funny. I think I just enjoyed the first story a bit more just because it kind of took me back to the original Bone story and the Big Johnson Bone character was just terrific. Definitely worth reading. Cool. Mm-hmm. The animals were cool too. So, what that? that? Sto- I said I enjoyed the animals as well in the lead story. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that's one of the things I even failed to mention is <laughs> Big Johnson Bone. When you first meet him, he's riding around his donkey, and then he has this talking monkey who I imagine talks with an English accent, just the way talks and he won this monkey in a bet <laughs> the monkey just hates the fact that he is with Big Johnson Bone and uh, he kind of gives you a, a different uh, perspective on things and all the different situations that, that Big Johnson Bone gets into and he's a very very funny character as well I like the, I like the little dragon at the end there oh yeah who you know sort of wants to be the hero but he's this tiny little nothing and yeah yeah. And he can't breathe fire. All he can do is throw rocks. Yeah. It was cute. Yeah. And there's actually only, besides the rat creatures as a whole, there's actually only one character in this story that you actually see later in the Bone story, too. So. 
And we shall leave him remain nameless? Yeah, he'll remain nameless. There's got to be some surprise if people want to read it. Yeah, that's definitely something I'll I'll get eventually, because I I love the bone, so... This one, I'd definitely say, is more... um, Yeah. I'm going to edit that out. Kids podcast, please. (laughs) Kid-friendly. This this Stupid stupid Rat Tales is definitely more all-age-friendly than the the Rose book that that Jeff Smith did with Charlie Beth. Oh, you didn't care for Rose? No, I did like it, but it it, it wasn't as all-ages. There was definitely some things in there that were, you know, for a more mature audience okay. than this one. gotcha. They're both equally good, though. I would definitely give a highly recommend to, to all of the above. So you been reading anything good, Eric? Yeah, I won't get into it too much because you talked about it last time. Uh, I finally read The Muppet Show and The Incredibles. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Re- refresh my memory. You you really liked The Muppet Show, but you didn't think too much of The Incredibles, right? Uh, the Incredibles I thought was good, but I, I thought the uh, story was kind of like Talking down to a younger audience than even the movies were. I don't to a degree. How, how, how do you figure? I mean, I, I didn't really get that impression. I, don't, I just I don't know. Something just about the way it was written just seemed like uh, I don't know. It just seemed like it was just for a younger audience, and then the movie was intended almost. Yeah. Just, uh, I felt like uh, you were kind of you were kind of being dumbed down a little bit. Well, uh, when I just wanted, yeah more of a true superhero, old-school comic-type feel to it. I kind of, I think it kind of had that. I mean, it definitely wasn't as good as the story in the movie, but I, I had a lot of fun with that first issue. And the art mm-hmm. in it was really, really nice. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. So I'll give a thumbs up to that. But the, the Muppet Show, um, you say that the, like the humor in this is pretty comparable to the old TV show? I'd say so. At least like the, the heart of the show and the spirit of the show was definitely caught in you know, some of the skits and all that. Um, I thought it did it well as far as, you know, I guess as good as you could as far as capturing a show that dealt with, you know, a series of skits and then turning that and translating that into a comic book. Okay. Yeah, see, that now that makes me kind of scared to go back and watch the show again because I have, like, fond memories of it. But this this comic, I mean, it had a couple times where it made me smile, you know? But yeah. I didn't really care for it that much. No, really? Yeah. Okay. It just... Like the part where I had Kermit singing, like that, I couldn't even finish, I couldn't even finish that because it bored me. <laughs> well, yeah, that's you know in the show, you know, you always had the musical numbers too. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Um, the the art in it is kind of cool. Um, it it doesn't look like the classic Muppets, but it's a it's like a right. it's a neat style. Um, I was saying before, it reminded me of something that I'd seen before, but I, I can't, mm-hmm. I still can't place what it is. It reminds me of like one of those old like '60s like underground comics with an ex artists, you know. But I can't think of who it could have been. Hmm. Yeah, I think like I said, I think they did this easy that the artist kind of almost had to do it in that style just to be able to give the characters any kind of emotion whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Since obviously you can't see how they're moving like you could when they're on the TV show, you have to do something in order to you know get your point across and kind of express the, their emotions. Uh-huh. Did you get the, the Robin Hood yet? The, the Muppet I did not get it yet. Okay. I did. I ordered it, but I haven't received it. You know, since I get monthly shipping, it will be sometime after the final Wednesday of this month that I'll receive it. Yeah. See, I didn't even order that, and I'm kind of glad I didn't now, because in, in a nutshell, I'm pretty much the opposite of you on these two. I like The Incredibles a little more than I did The Muppet Show. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm a 
Muppet honk anyway, so. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. Well, you know. That? Aren't we all? Well, yeah, I, I have fond memories of it, you know, watching it as a kid, but I haven't revisited it since it was probably originally on TV. And I think uh-huh. I think it's best left that way for me because I feel like I might be disappointed if I watch it again. Well, well you got to ignore that. You got. Go ahead. No, I was just saying it just depends on I guess like what episode you're watching, and yeah, sometimes the skits are you know some skits are better than others. Mm-hmm. You know, so you probably just hang on to the memories of the ones that you were fondly remember and kind of edit out some of the musical numbers and things that just didn't stick with you quite as much. And then, you, of course, you got to look out for all the actors and actresses you've never heard of in your life in oh, yeah. skits, you know, or on the show, and you just go, who are these people again? Yeah. You know, why are they on the TV show? So, but it's kind of a good nostalgic look and very, you know, a lot of fun stuff there. I mean, I think, are they coming out with the fourth season pretty soon on DVD? Uh, I think they just announced it recently, right. yeah. Um, I had asked about that, and then I, uh, our buddy Heath actually just sent me a link about it coming out sometime, I think, this year or later on this year. Right. Which is good. We like. Yeah. And in the comic, they couldn't do any of the guest stars, so I guess all well, you know, they actually introduced a couple Muppets that were based on a couple of members of like the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I could definitely kind of had the them be yeah. the guest stars. Yeah, hmm. so they kind of he kind of got around it that way. Wow. So yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I actually started reading. Uh, I got the the showcase presents the Doom Patrol Volume One. Um, oh yeah, this is the old reprints of the old stuff from the early '60s, and I I could recommend that for younger readers too because it's comics from the '60s and everything was pretty much okay for everybody back then. Um, but yeah. I just read the first issue from it, which was the first appearance of the Doom Patrol from My Greatest Adventure, number 80. It was it was a fun story. It was just basically the origin story of the Doom Patrol. I love the Doom Patrol. But kids don't read the Grant Morrison Doom Patrol. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a long conversation for Mom and Dad. Yeah. Oh, Very nice. Did you get a chance to um, to look at any of the new Boom Kids stuff yet? The Incredibles or the Muppet Show or any of that? I've been hearing about them, but I haven't gotten a chance to see them yet. Um, I've heard some good things about the Muppet Show. Um, I haven't heard much about the Incredibles, though. Um, I should I should call up Mark and tell him to send me some copies, and he'll laugh at me. But um, you know. From what I heard, I just saw recently, I guess Boom Kids is doing pretty good because they've actually sold out of both of those, the first issue of those two, and they've also sold out of the new the Cars rookie one. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you can still find them you know, at the comic book stores and things like that. It's just that they don't have any more to distribute through Diamond, I guess. So, uh, yeah, yeah certainly uh, they're off to a good start with that. Very good. That's good stuff. Eric, did you have anything to cover as far as things you watched or anything like that, toys or anything? Um, no, not really. Uh, I think I mentioned last time I got my DC Series 8 action figures with Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, and they're pretty right. cool. Uh, yeah, no TV shows really to, to talk of. We mentioned you know, I've been watching Chowder and Flapjack. There hasn't been a new Brave and the Bold recently or a new Star yeah. Wars or anything like that, so no, nothing of note. All right. 
Anything going on then with you, Chris, that you wanted to cover still? Um, the best new toys I got were Lego versions of Indiana Jones, Marion, and the father. My, oh, yeah. I, I, I had to, the kids are into the, the, I told you the Lego clone troopers, so, uh, there's a Lego store nearby and we went in there and they had little packets with, you know, you could buy, uh, either Indiana Jones and, uh, Marion and the father or you could do some Star Wars characters like, you know, Darth Vader and Luke and, and, and the like. So I picked up the Indiana Jones ones and I have them sitting right next to my desk. Best toys ever. Yeah. I wish I had a Lego store near me. Uh, I think the only Lego store I've ever been to are the ones that are on Disney property, and that's been about it. Yeah. That one's neat on Disney property with all the big giant Lego sculptures all around. And Oh, yeah. You know, and if you but... go out to the one uh, in Disneyland, they actually have a huge Darth Vader and a huge R2-D2 that actually beeps and does all the sound effects <laughs> and all that, too. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I gotta get I gotta get out and start picking up stuff stuff again. I've been lazy, busy, busy, busy. But uh, let's see what else I pick up. Yeah, whenever that's gonna be. Yeah, never. Do you you already have uh, any conventions on your calendar that you were planning on going to this year? Um, I recently did the New York Con, um, and that's all I'm listed for right now. Nobody's asked me to go and. Um, I've been sort of so busy and hanging low and, you know, trying to avoid cons as much as possible, as much as I like going to them. Um, they kill you. You know, it's not just a, a, a weekend affair. You, you wind up the week ahead of time catching up all your work and the week after being sick and trying to catch up, you know, cause you, everybody gets sick after going to these cons that the amount of hands you shake and people you meet, you always wind up coming home with some kind of foul germ. Get the con plague. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, con funk. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fanboy flu. I mean, you can come up with eight million names. Um, so, uh, I haven't, uh, it's pretty rare that I, I, I go. I, I, I think last year where you, we met was at, uh, the Mid Ohio con. Mid Ohio. Yep. And then, um, I, and then I did the New York show. And I pretty much stayed away from everything else. Cool. There's talk of a new wizard show or a, or a Garrow Seamus show in, uh, in New York, so yeah. maybe I'll do that one. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't go too far just because of, plus my kids don't like it when I go. Yeah. Uh, they really do not like the fact that, uh, I go away. And, especially without them. And even last year when I went to the, the Mid Ohio Con, um, I got home and they were like devastated that, you know, I had, I was gone for two days and they didn't get a chance to see me. So, um, yeah. the new rule is if I'm going to a con, I have to take the family. So, <laughs> yeah, sure. So, uh, but, um, so, uh, yeah, trying to avoid, not avoid cons, but you know, they're not big on my priority list. So, yeah. yeah. If you ever get the chance, uh, yeah, the one that we went to last year, and we'll probably where we are going to go to again this year, is going down to Charlotte to Heroes. It's just a very good con, and uh, I know I don't know about this year, but I know last year there was like a whole section of tables with you know nothing but all ages creators and artists and all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it seemed like it would have been perfect for <laughs> you know you to be there to kind of talk about some of the stuff you were doing at the time. But 
Yeah. yeah, I think Heroes is just cool because it's like you know, a true you know comic book convention, not a lot of the other superfluous stuff that some of the other conventions might have. Yeah, I mean, there's a few that I want to go to. I'd like to go to, um, like Emerald City Comic Con. I've heard is really good. Um, Heroes Con. I've heard is really good. Dragon Con. I've heard is really good, and um, I'd really like to go to the Baltimore Con. I actually checked in and sent them an email saying if they would kind of put me on the guest list, and I never heard back. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, it's fairly close. I could drive there in like three or four hours. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've heard good things about Baltimore, and I've heard good things about Pittsburgh too. I've heard those in the Northeast, besides New York Comic Con, are the better ones. You went to. Pittsburgh, yeah, I didn't really care for it that much, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah, it, okay. well, it was like it was right after all that stuff with the, with the with the guy that oh, organized yeah. it happened, the and, order. Yeah. and just the whole yeah. feeling of the thing was kind of weird, and things were kind of very disorganized and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, one of those things where the show must go on, but they didn't quite know what they were doing with it. Yeah, it just it, it compared to like uh, Heroes Con and even Mid Ohio Con, I think it wasn't as good. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough to put on a show these days, make something different that people like and want to come to back for. So I give those guys credit for trying. You know? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's awkward even like walking through the convention, like through some of the small press stuff and all that. I can only imagine you know, what it feels like when you're at one of the tables and, you know, it's like you're almost wondering, like, you know, who's going to stop to look at your stuff? And if they are, are they going to? be interested in it, or they're just going to move on, or what the case is. Yeah. I know when I'm walking through some of the small press stuff, like, it's like, there's, on the one part of me, I want to look at the stuff and see what it is, but on the other hand, I, like, I don't want <laughs> to make the person feel bad if I don't buy anything, or if I don't have an amazing reaction to what they have. Yeah. Sometimes you got to try, like, try not to make eye bar. contact, so you don't have to stop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just keep it on through. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I, there I are always... people like me that will stop at every table, so. Yeah, I feel bad. I always feel bad when I do that. And if I'm walking through and, you know, you just see something, you're just like, oh, man, that's awful. And, yeah. you know, you feel bad. They, they've put their heart and soul into it. And and, and, and you're just kind of walking by going, yeah, oh, that ain't that ain't so good. And, you know, yeah. you know, it's bad when they're offering free copies and you're like, no, thank you. Please, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's tough. I mean, you know, cause, because the bad part is you, you will go through – 50 people that are putting out garbage, and there'll be one person you look at it and go, wow, that's amazing. But you have to go through all those other people to find it, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's hard. I mean, you know, they're trying, but some of it's just not so good. Like my, my table, horrible. People laugh oh, at me and they they're the future creators one day. <laughs> yeah. So they just laugh at me and spit at me and walk on. <laughs> Especially the little kids. What? Get out of here. <laughs> Thanks, kid. Yeah. Well, you admitted to me at Mid-Ohio that you know, you're not the marketing guy. You know, you just come and talk about your stuff and draw the sketches, but you, know, you didn't have any product or anything. You were just there to talk about your stuff. So. Yeah. You know, I, I well, I figured anyway, you know, they flew me in, they put me up, and I, I thought it was a little bit, not, I don't know you want to call it disrespectful that um, you know they were paying for me to come out and put me up and, and the least I could do 
is give out sketches for free and and not try to make more money off of it. Right. You know, I make my money because I've got you know people who buy the books, and if I can go and meet them and maybe do a sketch for them and and get to say hello, I, I think you know I I've done you know my job for the for the con for for doing that for me. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that in the future I wouldn't. You know, if I had you know my book out for the, the web strip, bring it along and maybe you know offer it to try and sell to people. But yeah, I wasn't looking to um, to sell stuff, and people were getting mad at me too because I was giving out free sketches, and all around me people were charging, and I was getting dirty looks the whole time. <laughs> I felt bad, you know, like they're charging twenty five dollars a sketch, and I'm going free. Here you go, and they're like, why is it twenty five dollars across the hall? I don't know. So. I like your your uh, yeah. I like the way you do it better, personally. Yeah, free. <laughs> yeah, everybody likes free better. Yeah, well, our free photos was even doing, doing the one dollar sketches, so that's that's not too bad either. Yeah, yeah do was it dollar a character? Yeah, dollar mm-hmm. character. Yep. So you could technically say I want twenty characters. Yep. Yeah, marker and crayon, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's a sharpie and yeah, crayons. Yep. And he's fast. Yeah, it suits his style so well. It's like okay, <laughs> you know, only couple bucks. That's fine by me. Then you could hand him twenty bucks and ask for uh, twenty ki- twenty characters. Yeah. Had you seen the uh, mashup, Chris, that Eric talked about a couple episodes ago, where uh, where uh, Giarusso and Art got together and recreated the X Men Teen Titans cover? Oh yeah, yeah. We were um, we were all on a panel together at New York at the New York Con, and Chris. Pulled it out of his uh, portfolio, the original. Oh, okay. And so I remember when at yeah Mid Ohio when you all did the panel where you know only a few of us showed up. They talked about working on something together, but they kind of yeah. played with the idea, and it was cool to actually see something that they had actually took time to create together. Yeah, it looked yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was a real fun little piece. But we've been doing. Me and Art have been secretly um, doing crossovers that nobody has caught yet. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I did. Um, you know, uh, the beginning one after right after Mid Ohio Con, the three of us actually took uh, Chris's friend drove us back to the airport together, and um, so we were chatting the whole way. We got to the airport, and um, we all decided that we were going to cross over with each other and not tell anybody. But I think we've, we've already got it out, so we can tell the people. Um, and uh, in uh, the, the I'm trying to think if it's two issues ago, I did a Franklin where um, um, Patrick the Wolf Boy actually is in the scene in one of the panels, which is Art's old um, book. Uh-huh. Right. And so I sent it to him, and he was like howling and thought it was awesome. And then a couple months ago, he sent me back a panel. Where uh, the characters are going to a baseball game, and Reed and Franklin are sitting there with them, next to them. Cool. So you can actually spot there's been some intercompany crossovers that nobody knows about. <laughs> That's cool. There you go. They're cameos. It's legal. It's not. It's a one-time parody thing. So you know, it's not really. And if you ask me, I'll tell you in the future, it's not the characters. It's somebody totally different. It just looks like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's all a good fun. You can have have Sherman dress up as a wolf man that just happens to look like Patrick the Wolf Boy. 
Yeah, I mean, I figure you know you could you could he could dress up as a character who looks like Robin or. Yeah, there you go. You know, so. You know, I mean, it's all in good fun. I mean, I I would think that the the higher ups would not be bothered by it since it's all in good fun and promoting you know kids books and and reading so yeah if some if some kid can spot that and get a kick out of it all the more fun oh so there you have an exclusive cool <laughs> chris let me ask you something about lettering and it might be kind of a dumb question but i've i've always wondered this um when you get like sound effects in the comic like the booms and whatnot does the letterer do that too or is that part mm-hmm. of the artwork Nope, that is the the letterer's job. Okay, cool. Anything pretty much that you see on a page that's got type on it, whether it even be on, on signs on buildings or other things, usually it's the letterer's job to to, to do that. Um, sound effects, uh, crazy word balloons, or or anything like that. That's that's our job. So um, usually the the writer will indicate, or maybe even the artist sometimes will indicate a sound effect in that spot. Uh-huh. Um, but it's usually up to us to decide what it looks like and and, and put it there. So cool. yeah, how specific do the writers get with what sound effect they want? Like the automatopoeia, do, like, do you have any control over that, or is it usually written out like letter for letter what you're supposed to put there? Um, most times, you know, it's just the simplistic, you know, boom or wham or you know, pow yeah. type of things. Um, so well, you I'm know, really, like reading. Uh, when I read World War Hulk and some of the other stuff mm-hmm. this, like, last year, I just saw some very interesting sound effects I had never seen before in a comic. Yeah, that was that was me. That was me. Yeah. That, that one was me. Oh. I was going to say that, that was the one where I just was like going bananas trying to do different things just because <laughs> they, wanted, they, they wanted it to be big. It was like it was the popcorn summer movie, and they just yeah. wanted sound effects everywhere. And it was just like the scripts would come and just say sound effects, sound effects, sound effects, sound effects, sound effects. So I would just go crazy. <laughs> And even towards the end there. Some multi-syllabic sound effects going on in there. Yeah, I was just, I was going for any, I mean, you know, in Franklin, I I sort of have ones that are like almost like exactly what it is, like punch as opposed to, you know, wham or, uh, you know, kick instead of, you know, whack or whatever. But yeah, at the end even, I I just, I was at wit's end because I was, how many more sound effects could you do? And I literally took the initials of everybody on the book and turned that into a sound effect. So it was like John Romita Jr., Klaus Janssen, Christina Strain, and, I, and Greg Pak, and I just strung it together as a sound effect. You know, It just made no sense whatsoever. I don't know what it was supposed to sound like or what it meant, and for some reason everybody loved that for, for whatever reason. You know? Go back and look for that one. I didn't catch that one. Yeah, I was even like, there was a couple of little sound effects where were like, Greg Pack, Greg Pack, Greg Pack, you know, so, you know, sticking him in. It just, it was, I was, you know, it was the fifth issue, and every one of those issues was like redone five times, because it was rewritten and redone and fixed and changed and redone again, and and so, you know, I'm doing these sound effects, I'm like, and they're like, just add sound effects here, put sound effects in, and I just, like, okay, you know. The, the true challenge would be to work in your own name as a sound effect. Well, <laughs> yeah. man. You know, I, who says I haven't ever done that? But you know, uh, you know, it, it's it's just fun to do stupid stuff like that, and I, I think the fans get a kick out of it too when they're they see this and they go, "What is he doing?" You know, how much coffee was he drinking that day? Um, yeah, I know. Uh, 
you know, our show is part of the whole comic book noise family and kind of the godfather. Derek, he, like, covered each one of the World War Hulk issues as they came out. And whenever he'd encounter one of the sound effects, I remember he would actually, like, read it verbatim, and it was just cracking me up. And he obviously <laughs> took great enjoyment in it, too. Oh, that's funny. Fun here. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even and think to, to say it out loud, so uh, good for him. Yeah, he made for an entertaining podcast, or a series of podcasts. Yeah, I'll have to go back and listen. I'll have to go find them. Yeah, yeah, That's I'm fun. sure you can easily find them on there. And Derek kind of has this dry delivery, too, so when he says sound effects, it makes it so much funnier, too, because he's just saying them, you know, without the exclamation points or anything, <laughs> just with a period at the end, and it just makes it hilarious. Oh, cool. I have to Very listen to it. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, because I never, you know, everybody always asks the question about sound effects. Are they meant to sound like uh, the sound that it's being made? Or is it just sort of like that onomatopoeia thing where it's just, you know, just sort of what you sort of think it would sound like? And there's sort of been no right way or wrong way. Everybody sort of does it their own way. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, you don't, like, it's almost like, well, how would you explain this sound to a deaf person? Like, how would they read this? And. You know, are they, you know, which I think some, I actually remember when I was younger and I was in the bullpen, somebody sent an email or not an email, but a letter asking, you know, I'm deaf. How do, how do I understand what, is this what it really sounds like when a train falls on somebody's head? You know? Yeah. Or, you know, crack a doom. Is that really what it sounds like? Or is, you know, or are you just making up a word to indicate what it, you know, what is happening? So, and there's even, you know, and even now, you know, it's funny because, you know, old-time comics have sort of had this tarnish effect where they're kind of kitty fair, and so a lot of new creators have come along saying they don't even want sound effects in a book, which is, I, to me seems bizarre in that you would give up something that helps tell the story. Mm-hmm. You know, where you know if a phone rings and you don't have ring ring and you have somebody going, "Excuse me, I'll get that." It seems kind of bizarre <laughs> yeah. not to hear see the ringing and have somebody just go, "Excuse me, I'll get that." Get what? What are you talking about? There's nothing, nothing sound, nothing. Um, you know, I, we we caught that on the Ultimates. I actually, I thought I was, I thought the writer, I thought Mark was doing it wrong. I thought he forgot to put in sound effects on the first issue of, of Ultimates, and because there was no sound effects there, and and it was like you know, Thor like trashing you know a giant building, and I'm like, really, you're not going to have a sound effect here? No, I'll put one in, and I. Put him in throughout the whole book, and Mark was like, "Whoa, what are you doing? Stop! Take them all out!" And I was kind of like, "Really? Like, it's sort of like watching a movie without the soundtrack, you know, without the sound effects, you know." And I said, "Okay." And I don't know if it played better or worse. You know, I guess it's up to everybody else to decide. But um, you know, those are like the little, I guess, the trade things that you know, the, sort of the craft that you're kind of going, "Is this right? Is this wrong? Does this work better? Does it not?" My sense yeah. is that um, you don't have move, you don't have physical movement like you would an animated movie. You don't have sound like you would in a movie. So, you know, why don't you use the tools that you are given? You know, you, you know, movies. You can't, you know, for the most part, hear people's thoughts. You can do that in a comic book. Why not use it? You've got it. You know. So these are like little things that I think you should use a sound effect. Who cares? Make it a goofy sound effect. Even worse, you know. I mean, I, the best one, the one I loved for years ago, I was working on um, uh, Excalibur, and Alan Davis was writing it and drawing it, and a, um, a toilet blew up, 
and the sound effect was bathroom. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Best ever. That's great. <laughs> you know, why not have a little fun with it and tongue in cheek and, you know, play with the genre a little bit, so. Anymore with like what you said, like with the phone ringing, it's like whose phone really actually goes ring ring anymore? You know that'll be a whole new thing. Yeah, usually, people right. phones call, play music or whatever. How you fit all that in there? Or express some different ringtone that they have. Yeah, it's sort of like either now it's like boop boop or it's like you know uh, bleen bleen or you know they always try, everybody's trying to come up with something new to make it sound like the uh, the new cell phones, but. Yeah, um, you draw little musical notes or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, they've tried all of that stuff. So whatever, it all works. Yeah. It's all part of the creation. So I'm glad you got that, Eric. Cause I had often wondered that too. Yeah, I, I think I was asking Mike or somebody about that last time we were talking about some comic, and he didn't know either. So well, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, thanks, Chris. My pleasure. <laughs> Yeah. I solved one of life's mysteries. You get you out of here before the boys come home and your your house gets ransacked here. Oh, you you, you would not believe the chaos that goes into this house at at uh, at the time they get home. <laughs> Utter chaos. But uh, all right, guys. So I should let you run then. Well, thanks for being on with us. No problem. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was awesome. Hopefully we'll do it again soon. I'll start trying to pick up things to recommend and read and show you guys uh, I actually know something about this industry. Cool. Oh, yeah. That was good. All right, guys. A busy busy creation schedule, so (laughs) figure whenever you get a chance to read something, I'll just be bonus. Perfect. All right, guys. All right. Well, you have fun. Thanks, you too. Have a good one. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. Comics Playground is brought to you by the Comic Book Noise Network. Visit our website at comicsplayground.com. Email us at cpg at comicbooknoise.com, ryan at comicbooknoise.com, or eric at comicbooknoise.com. For this and other great comic book podcasts, visit the League of Comic Book Podcasts at comicbooknoise.com slash league. Our theme music is by Kevin McLeod, courtesy of Royalty Free Music. Visit iTunes to leave reviews of the show, as well as browse past episodes. And we'll see you next time at the Playground.